0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Um, I've been talking about kindness. In uh, the last two weeks, I've talked about the kindness of God. Honestly, I didn't intend to start at that point, but as I was Preparing for this, it was going to be one message, and then I realized, you know what, there's so much here. Let's just extend it out a little bit. So I started by talking about the kindness of God and how we oftentimes look at God as a mean, angry, uh, cruel God. And the reality is, He's not those things. He is a just God, He is righteous, He is holy, but He's approachable. In fact, um, in all of the religions of the world, we have a distinctly unique, God, and that He is not only approachable, but He approaches us through the person of His Son. The Bible tells us that He chases after us. He, he calls us by name. He knows us. No other faith system on the planet is, is like this. Every other religion, man has to come to God. It's Christianity. God has come to men. So that's one thing, but but even though he is just and holy and all those things, um, there's a kindness to him. And I think sometimes we forget that the kindness of God is what leads us to repentance. And so I was hoping that I would reframe your your understanding or your view of God. I'm really hoping that through this these couple of weeks, you will see God more as a father than as a judge. Yes, he's a judge... But he's a father, um, I, and, and I, words fail us, but I would say his lead qualities. It's not like he has more of one than another. He has them all in the same amount, and he doesn't, he doesn't go from one to the other to the other. He, he's a complete God. He's, he, he, he's, he's, uh, he's whole, if you'll say it that way. But, but I think that he leads with kindness, and he leads with mercy, and he leads with tenderness. And we often don't think of God that way. So I wanted to start there... Because the ultimate goal is for us to be kind. And it's funny because when I, when I came up with the, the, the series title, Kindness in an Age of Cruelty, I did not know that there's actually a Bible verse that says this very thing. Or at least it speaks to this very thing. In Proverbs, don't turn there. In Proverbs eleven seventeen, the scripture says, Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. Isn't it nice when God puts a verse in the Bible just to just to show you that you're at least on the right track? Those who are cruel bring ruin on, them to se- on themselves. You could say it this way. When you are kind, not only are you blessing others and you're blessing God, but you're blessing yourself. It never, never, never is wrong to be kind. Because you can be kind in the midst of great strength. It rarely, if ever, is wrong appropriate to be cruel. I would probably even say never appropriate to be cruel. So having said all those things, I want to now step into the realm of your life and in my life. How are we to live as kind people on this planet? Because let's face it, we live in a cruel world. It's a it's a cruel world. It's a a world in which um, words are spoken and 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 tempers flare I, I kind of did a YouTube deep dive. When I say deep dive, what I meant is rabbit hole this week. Uh, just trying to, you know, just I, I sometimes research this way, and and I, and it started with boat compilations, boat um, disasters, and it went to people who were yelling at uh, 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 cashiers because their food was cold. And let me tell you, I'm I'm blown away because of social media, at, at what we're seeing come out of people. Y'all feel what I'm saying here? Have, have you seen some of these videos? Y'all are like, I'm doing it right now. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I know you're not praying, and I, I, I can see it, right? I, so the lights aren't too bright, I, I know. But, but I'm, I'm watching these videos, and, and I almost was going to show some, but I knew that would just put us in a whole other place. These people that this one particular woman came in with her bag of food it was like Burger King or something and she threw it at the at the ca, the, the person at the cash the the cashier and then she started cussing the girl out because it, she like they forgot cheese in the back I'm going lady you got problems if you're this angry over cheese I like my cheese now but I'm not about to go hurting a cashier because of cheese. And, and you can just see this, this cruelness. And this cruelness seems to come out not, so, not, a, not just with actions, but with words. And I want to say to you this today. If you hear nothing else, hear this. Y'all just talked about this, didn't you? <laughs> Here they're they're, they're, they're elbowing each other. I'm like, okay, this is. so your mama didn't tell me to say this, by the way. I just want you to know, okay, this is, we, we had no conversation beforehand. Um, oh, where was I? So, um, where was I? Oh, yeah, if you hear nothing else today, hear this. And I don't even know. Darn. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Open your Bibles. Oh, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Okay, here's what I want you to hear today. If you hear nothing else than, than this. You are most like Jesus when you are kind. And when you use kind words. You know, these are the kind of things we would say in, kindergartner, in kindergarten to preschoolers. Let's use kind words. Remember that? I'm telling you that as adults because we need to be like children, when it comes to this. We need to be very intentional about the kindness of our words. So in Matthew chapter 12, we have a very descriptive verse, or a very uh, revelatory verse for us when it comes to words. Starting in verse 35, Matthew twelve thirty-five, The good man brings good things out of the goods stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Verse 34, the second last part of 34. For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. Our words are literally a uh, a symptom of our own heart condition what comes out of our mouth is a symptom of what's going on in our heart words that come out of our mouth that are kind come from the work of god inside of us and words that are come, that come out of our mouth that are not kind and there's all kinds of things we'll talk about there those are a symptom of sin inside of our hearts. So you can gauge the you can measure the condition of your own heart by the words coming out of your mouth. Take a moment just to absorb that because that is 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 powerful. The words coming out of your mouth is a is a thermometer of the temperature of your heart. Now, why do we know this? We know this because The Bible says that we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God inside of us is sanctifying us. He is transforming us. But just because God's Spirit lives in us, if we know Christ... That's the, that when you trust in Jesus Christ, He gives you His Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. And that Spirit does a, a number of things. One of which is is gives us wisdom and discernment and direction in our in our speaking. Right. So God's spirit is inside of us if we know Christ, yet we still have the old man, what the Bible calls the flesh or the the sinful nature. And so there's a war going on inside of us between the spirit of God and between the spirit of our own flesh. And that war is, is never ending. And you know that it's a never-ending war, specifically when it comes to our speech, because the book of James tells us in chapter 3 that the tongue is set on fire by hell. James says, look, you can tame all kinds of wild beasts, but no man can tame the tongue. That means that that for all of your life, you're going to be wrestling with this, with this spirit and flesh. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have one that trumps the other. Because the reality is, no, none of us are 50-50 on this. We're going to be either more like Christ or less like Christ. It's not going to be like we're 50-50. Does that make sense? And so, with this war going on inside of your heart, you've got an expression of this war that's coming out of your mouth. And I'll give you a hint to the end. The one you feed the most will win. What you feed the most is going to win and you will know who is winning by what's coming out of your mouth. I keep wanting to say yo mouth. What's coming out of yo mouth. I just, I have this... And so, you've got this war going on and what comes out of your heart is expressed through your mouth, whether it's kind or whether it's not kind, will determine how much like Jesus you look. Do you know that the Bible says that when people look at you, they should be able to say, you look just like Jesus. people should be able to say of you, you sound just like Jesus. Now that's not arrogant and that's not flippant. That's the truth. The Bible says that we're to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good deeds, not just see, but hear our good deeds and glorify our father who is in heaven. In other words, when they see us, they give glory to God because we remind them of him. And so your words are a description of your heart. So what's in your heart? How much like Jesus do you truly look like? Now, uh, I was going to save this to the end too, but I don't want you leaving here today with a bunch of guilt and condemnation. I want you to leave here today with a resolve and with hope that God is at work inside of you. Listen, the fact that you're here today means God is at work inside of you. Because he has this message for you to hear. You're not here by accident. And this message, message isn't just one that I picked up out of the air and said, Hey, this sounds like a good one for today. No, this is God-inspired, God-ordained that your ears will hear these words and your heart will be tra- penetrated to the core with the truth of what the Scripture's teaching today. And so what does it mean to have words that are not kind? Well, we live in a culture today that that is uh, somewhat difficult to discern because people say that truthful words are not kind, when in reality, truthful words are very kind, especially when they're said with, with kindness. And we live in a day where itching ears want to hear whatever they want to hear, and that's not kind, that's not loving. So what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible speaks of words that are kind and unkind, Pretty clearly, if you will, turn your Bibles to the Book of Romans, chapter one. Romans, chapter one. Y'all with me? All right. This might hurt a little bit, might sting a little bit, but it's a good thing. I learned from this, and I'm I'm adjusting my life to this, and I hope you'll do the same thing. In Romans, chapter one, verse tw- we're going to start in verse twenty-eight. We look at our, our 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 mouth, and and we tend to lower the seriousness of it we, we tend to look at sin and we go well all i do is gossip i ain't ever killed anybody actually god puts them all on the same level listen to what the scripture says matthew excuse me romans chapter 1 verse 28 and following furthermore since you did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of god he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not be done They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. It's getting pretty thick, right? I mean, you're talking about about some bad dudes right here. It says, they are gossips, uh uh-oh, slanderers, uh uh-oh, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless. Faithless, heartless, ruthless, although they knew although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. That's pretty stout, isn't it? Listen, when we when it comes to our words, our words can either be about someone or they can be to someone it's those words about someone that get us in a lot of trouble and those words about someone we can divide them into multiple categories but let's just look at two what the bible says is gossip and slander now what is gossip gossip is repeating a story that is none of your business amen come on now you can smile about that it's none of your business but but you repeat the story and it happens in such holy ways Listen, could you just pray for uh, Brother, brother uh, Jim? Brother Jim's having some uh, marital issues and we just need to pray for him. It, I hope there's not a Jim in here. I was trying to pick a name very quickly. Of no... and, and, and really we're not trying to pass a par- prayer request as much as we are trying to deliver on the juice, right? You want to know the truth about a gossip? Now listen, we're all guilty of gossiping. We've all done it. Some some of it's been intentional and some of it's just been unintentional. But but the truth is the same. Gossip is gossip. There are some people who, who... We're all guilty of gossip. But there are some people who are gossipers. They have loose lips and that sinks ships. I don't know where that came from. But I've heard it somewhere. But it's true. You want to know the truth about someone who's a gossiper? A gossiper... If they're gossiping about someone to you, they're gossiping to someone about you. Amen? You want to know something about a gossiper? They can't be trusted. When you are a gossip, everybody else knows that you're a gossip. And it is going to cut off people's relationship with you. Your relationships are going to be very, very surface. Why? Because they, nobody can trust you. You're not going to find out the 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 at least from people who know you the deep things, and they're not, there's not going to be an intimacy and a closeness in conversation because they know they can't trust you with what they're going to say because you're going to blab it to everyone else. If you are a gossiper, the Bible says that you're in the same category. With every kind of, who, of those who are filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. Whew! That's tough, isn't it? Why is gossip so bad? Because it's the ultimate in a lack of love for somebody else. It's the ultimate, I don't love you. So gossip is, is a, an egregious sin towards God. But so is slander. See, more of us are probably guilty of slander than we are of gossip. I, I made that up. Maybe not so. But, but, but I think it might be true. What is slander? Slander is when you say something with the intention of assassinating a person's character. It's when you say an untruth with the intention of of assassinating someone's character. Or, I would even add to that, when you say a truth that should not be a public truth with the intention of assassinating someone's character. When you slander a person, you essentially are murdering them. That's why when the Bible says that Jesus clarified, uh, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder, but I say if you call someone a fool, you're guilty of murder. Slander is saying things so that someone else's opinion of another person will be altered or shifted to the negative. Now this is a dangerous thing. It's a, it's a sensitive thing though. Because there are times when we have to talk about someone else to a person. And what we would say about someone else might be negative or it might be harsh but by saying it to another person, our intention of saying it to that person is to build, is to figure out how do we help, not how do we tear down. So you have to look in the mirror and gauge your own heart when it comes to this. You cannot just draw a line. I'll never say anything bad about a person. What does that mean? So if you're a doctor and someone has cancer, you won't, ever, you won't tell them? Because that's saying something bad, right? No, of course you're going to tell. So so you got to draw the line. you got to look in the mirror and know your own heart when it comes to this and, and ask yourself the question, is my intention, is my heart to harm that person or to help that person? I will tell you that in our staff meetings, we pastors oftentimes sit around a table and we talk about situations in the lives of, of, of those in the church. I'm not talking about we tell each other what we've been told. I'm because things said in confidence stay in confidence. I'm saying that we 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 will we will observe attitudes or we'll observe circumstances or situations and we'll say, Listen, I feel like that, that there might be some something going on here. Now why would we say that? Because our heartbeat is to help. Is to say, okay, as as the shepherds of the of the souls of people here at this church, how do we lead out in godliness and in holiness to help this person or this family become whole? Does that make sense? That is what you're supposed to do. The diff, that that's the right way, as opposed to on the on the side around the water cooler, going, man, you're not going to believe with this person's this. See, one one is to help. And one is truly to harm. When you and I have measure our words, we need to be cautious and cognizant always of the intention of our heart for what we say. We should never let a careless word be spoken. Now I know that it's going to happen, but we need to be careful that we measure our words. Because an, a word that is spoken can never be brought back. Somebody this morning gave me a great illustration. He said, Jeff, it's like you're shooting a bow at at 100 yards. And and you can do that. You can shoot a bow and hit a target at 100 yards. I actually, I personally can hit a target at 60 yards. Uh, and I can hit, you know, like this every time. When you really practice, guys who are really good could hit 100 yards. But guess what? An arrow's only going 300 feet per second, give or take, a few. And at 300 feet per second, at 100 yards, well, that's how long to get there. Do the math. I was going to try, but I'm not going to because I'll mess it up. It, but but, but it, it's, not, it's not instantly. There's a time to go, right? So my fr- this morning, the guy said, look, it's like shooting a target way out there. And the moment you release the arrow, you see your child start running towards the target. That's a mental picture that's kind of hard to see, isn't it? Every word you speak is that way. The moment you release it, there's a potential, if it's not a good, holy, godly, uh, heart, uh, right-hearted word, there's a potential that your child can run out in front of the arrow. And you'll never get it back. There are people, relationships in my life from... From years ago that we used to be close and we're no longer close. You're just talking friends and acquaintances. That, that there, there was some distance in, a, in those relationships. And I can go back and trace them to moments in time where words were spoken that were not thought of. Some of them my fault. Some of them their fault. But do you have any relationships that are broken? Because of words spoken however many years ago and... There's still just no reconciliation because they've been spoken. You all know what I'm talking about. you have any like that? See, that's a a warning to us that this is the reality of our words. They are so powerful. That's why the Bible speaks of us in the way we speak, that we should be so cautious and so careful that we're going to give an account for every careless word. However, on the flip side, We could also be surgical with our words for the good. We can be surgical with our words for the bad. We can also be surgical. Now when I say surgical, I'm talking not about a shotgun approach. I'm talking about a thin razor in the hands of a skilled physician to go in and do exactly with pinpoint accuracy what you want to do. There's the ability that we have to be surgical with our words to such a degree that literally one phrase could totally change someone's trajectory of their life. You have that power. And this is the thing. Your words aren't powerful based on your age. They're powerful based on how you use them. So an eight-year-old has the ability to speak words in a moment that could literally change the trajectory of a person's life. It literally could give hope or it could totally crush a person. Eight years old. Now we tend to give a little grace to an eight-year-old because we say, well, they, they don't know exactly what they're saying. But there is a point at which your words could do massive internal damage to a person. It's even, more, uh, 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 it's even more intense or it, it's more um, um, difficult when it comes to family because family, when a father says something to his child that is not careful but careless, that child could carry it the rest of their life. In fact, I'll bet, I'm not going to do this, but I'll bet that if I asked you in this room and, and if you were vulnerable enough to do it, I'll bet most of us in this room can, can, can go back to a snapshot of our childhood. We can go back and we can see it and we could relive it just as clear as it if it was today when an interaction with a parent or somebody in our family was so either painful and heartbreaking or so life-giving that it is, it is imprinted upon us. Am I right? Here's the thing. Chances are, whatever interaction there was, if it was negative, if, they, if, if the person who was the offender could go back and change that, they would. But they can't. This is a whole other message, but you and I have got to learn to forgive those words. It doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship's completely healed because some things, when they're spoken, they're spoken. But there, but there doesn't have to be a grudge. There can be forgiveness. Does that make sense? So what kind of words are we to give? Well, I wrote a little list of the kind of words. Oh, by the way, uh, let me step back into this minute. So we're, we're not to gossip and we're not to slander. And we're to be very careful that we don't step into those words and not just being the... the, the on the offense of gossip, but we need to be careful that we're not the receiver of the gossip. Here's where it's tough. When somebody's gossiping to you and you know it's gossip, you need to shut them down. Amen? Why? Because if it's truly gossip, you're not the only one they're going to talk about. And if you just listen and don't do anything about it, There's a sense in which which you are passively participating in the destruction of another person's character. Especially when it comes to slander. Let me tell you something I try to do. Anytime I hear news about someone else, I am always quick. I say always. I hope to always be this way. I'm always quick to give the benefit of the doubt and to give the opposing side, perhaps this was going on. And then I want to ask the question, where do you know these facts? How do you know this is true? Did you hear it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend that you were messing around? Or did you hear it from a grapevine? Oh, come on, guys. Those were both good. That was like bam, bam. That was like a double barrel right there. And you just just let it on go. I, I felt like that was so good. So good. Thank you how do you know it's true you know that that needs to be a question that we ask when we hear stuff how do you know this is true cuz you know in a court of law if you heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend you aren't sitting in the seat the judge is going to say sorry third hand information is out second hand information is out you got to go to the source how do you know what happened cuz you know we're really good about I tell this story to somebody who tells this story to somebody who tells this story to somebody who tells this story to somebody. Before you know it, this story has wound up to be this monster when it actually was something very, very small and very, very minute, right? So you've got to find the truth. Why? Because that's the way you love people. That is actually living kindly towards others. So many times um, I hear people talk, and you do too, about things that are none of their business. 1st Thessalonians 4:11 um, says this. It says let it be your ambition set it as your ambition to live a quiet life and to mind your own business. Amen. By the way, how much how much nicer would your life be if you didn't have to deal with everybody else's drama? Anybody? Amen? This is one thing I'm, I'm pretty good at. I don't want your drama. Now, I'll help if, if I'm at, invited into it, but I'm not about to talk about your drama in some other pres- in, in, with some other conversation. Why am I going to waste time talking about your stuff? Amen? I don't care what you wore, and I don't care if you matched. I don't care if your hair didn't work right. I don't care if your shoes were funky. Who cares? Am I stepping on your toes? I don't mean to. I mean, I really do, but I don't. Now, now I want to be cautious here because... You, 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 I don't want you to leave here going, We can't say that. It's, dry. it's gossip. No, that's not the point. The point is just to take a step back and look and say... Is what I'm saying helpful? Is what I'm saying holy? Am I lifting people up or am I tearing them down? Because the words that you use are a reflection of the condition of your own heart. By the way, uh, I will say this. One of the one of the most damaging things, in my opinion, to the faith of our children is when we drive home on Sunday after church and we talk about all the people in a way that's not honoring to them. That is the most damaging thing I think we could possibly do to the faith of our children. Why? Because our, our children here, unfiltered opinion of people they think are good people we we have always to the best i can tell tried not to have conversations about church people in front of our kids especially when they were young because they don't need to hear that amen it's true and more than that, we don't need to be saying it anyways. Now, I didn't say talking about the preacher, because y'all don't do that here. But if you go to a country church, let me tell you, you go to a country church, the joke is, today we're having roast preacher just like for lunch, just like we did last week, and the week before, and the week before. And I have seen firsthand how it poisons the heart of of their children. It's, it is unbelievable. But y'all don't do that here, so I'm good with that. All right, so what kind of words do we give? How am I doing on time? Okay. So the words that we give need to be surgical, which means we, th- we, we think them out, and, and they need to be kind. Okay? And I came up with five Kinds of words for us to use to be kind. All from Proverbs. The first one is we need to use gentle words. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 1. Turn your Bibles there if you will. Y'all with me? You good? Alright. Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer. Answer, turns away wrath. Wow. Having a gentle word in the midst of a tense conversation is unbelievably uh, uh, de-escalating. The ability to say something in a way that is totally out of character or out of context within the conversation kind of puts people back a little bit. And here's what I've learned. You can argue with someone who's not arguing back. And we live in a culture where, where we feel like if we, the louder we get, the more people will hear. Hello! Doesn't work that way. Because when two people are shouting at each other, neither one's listening, which means nothing is happening except for anger is being stirred up. The truth is, if you really, really, really want people to listen, you got to talk softly and carry a big stick. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. you got to talk softly. Why? Because when you talk softly, it makes people lean in. And as one guy told me this morning, and when they lean in, you can punch them in the nose. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But truthfully, when, <laughs> although I did think, man, that's kind of a good idea sometimes. When, when you talk quietly, it, it just it de-escalates and it puts people at ease. And when somebody keeps yelling... There's a point at which you say, when, when you're ready to stop yelling at me, we can have this conversation. We're getting into a whole other sermon here, but, but how you talk and how you let people talk to you is entirely up to you. Nobody makes you yell. Nobody makes you scream. Nobody makes you cuss. Nobody makes you get angry. Nope. You get angry... All on your own. They simply, they simply tested you. But if you get angry, that's, that's inside of you. If I get angry, that's inside of me. Which, by the way, sometimes angry is okay. Right? Jesus got angry. You know what I'm talking about. So, a gentle answer. It's amazing to me how when you approach a situation and you give a calm response to a hot situation... How you can often not always but often feel the the uh, the temperature just go and then cooler heads can prevail um, i I do a lot of reading, and one of the topics that I like to read is is negotiating principles. Do you all ever do that by the way if, if, you, if you if you read stuff beyond just like you know Fabio and you know things like that um, i don 't know if you read fabio or not i, I don 't but It just came to my mind for some reason. Um, One of the topics I would recommend you read about is negotiating. It's a whole other... Can I chase this rabbit for just a second, please? We negotiate in every relationship in life. Negotiating is about understanding people and how to talk to people. One of the books I'm reading is called Never Split the Difference. I've assigned this to my children to read. And I tell everybody I can. Here's here's what he says. He says, in the midst of negotiating, you can never lose your cool. Why? Because if you lose your cool, you've lost control. When we give a gentle answer, we are keeping our cool, and we're helping other people to keep their cool as well. That is kindness. Now, I'm not going to say that parents don't ever lose their cool. If there's anything in life that is easy to lose your cool in, it's what? It's parenting. Because I said so, right? Don't yell at me. Well, then shut up. <laughs> in Jesus' name. No. <laughs> With kindness. Don't tell me about the Sermon Sunday. I don't want to hear it. This is different. See, the word, these sermons are so bad because my kids repeat them back to me, and my wife does too. And remember what you said? Ah, believe me, this is this is this is harder on me than it is on you, I promise. Um, So Proverbs fifteen four says the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. We should not only give gentle words, but we should give encouraging words. Encouraging words. And again, if we can learn to do this with surgical precision, we can say the right word at the right time, and it will be a healing balm to someone who is suffering deeply. And that is a gift. Amen? It's knowing what to say and when to say it that's the challenge. That's where, listen, that's where the Spirit of God inside of you is at work and brings up out of your heart what needs to be said. By the way, I I failed to mention earlier that the reason that kindness comes out when God's Spirit is most at work inside of you is because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, and I missed one. But you know what I'm saying, right? That's the, what is it? Faithfulness, yes. So that's the fruit of God's Spirit inside of you. That's why the words coming out of your mouth reflect that. See how it works? So have an encouraging word. Give a, a gentle word, an encouraging word. And then we need to give life-giving words. Proverbs 18, 4. Actually, let's, let's look at sixteen twenty four. so you don't have to go backwards. Proverbs 16, 24 says this. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Did you hear that? Pleasant words are sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. You've got somebody totally broken and you ha- you can have words that are healing to the bones. It's not always easy to do, but it's possible, right? So Proverbs 18:4 says this, "The words of a man's mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook." Life-giving words. Life-giving words are words that when spoken precisely at the right time are the kind of words that are most likely to change a person's life trajectory. So, just as an illustration off the top of my head, let's say um, someone someone does something, uh, say they give a speech or whatever, and afterwards you go up to them and say, You know what? I could tell that while you were speaking... You were speaking passionately from the heart, and you deeply moved me. Thank you. That phrase could be life-changing for someone. God could use that to set their course in a whole other direction. And God uses your small words to do that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? There are other times when our words are, are... are, are, are a warning against something, but even though they speak of something not to do, they're still life-giving words because it helps somebody know, wow, you see me. One of the things that, that I like to try to do, and I hope you will, you will do this as well if you don't already, is try to find what... like, like literally make it your intention. What words do I need to speak to this person? What does this person need to hear? And I'm not talking about just friends. I'm talking about total strangers. When I'm sitting at a restaurant and the waitress is coming by, I'm trying to, I'm trying to read her eyes or his eyes. and I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to determine, I'm trying to, to be sensitive to God's Spirit, saying, what does this person most need right now? Now, I can't give them things usually, and I can't do stuff, but what I can do is I can say something. And so as God reveals that to me, I might say something to them, and I don't know if it's right or not. I'm just trusting God's Spirit inside of me. But more times than not, if I'm listening, well, always, if I'm listening to Him, He gives me exactly the right words to say at exactly the right time for that person. Amen? Amen? That's what I'm saying that we should be doing. We should be like Jesus. Jesus didn't just throw words around. Now, I'm sure he liked to joke, and I'm sure he liked to play, but with the woman at the well, you think that conversation wasn't intentional by Jesus? Go and find your husbands. If you would have known who was talking to you, you would have asked him for life. You would have asked him for water, and he would have given you water that gives life. I mean, these were very intentional words, right? Life-giving words. The fourth kind of words we need to give are truthful words. Uh, Proverbs twenty fifteen. Gold is there, or gold there is, and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. Listen, truthful words are kind words. You just may not always want to say truthful words in their entirety. In other words, I can say something that's true without telling you everything that's true, right? But then sometimes everything that is true needs to be spoken. I was uh, I was joking with first baptist this morning, some sometimes you can't win in these conversations. It's like you know, it's the old Shannon has I don't as far as I can remember hasn't ever done this. But you hear the old joke when your wife comes to you and says, "Does this dress dress make me look fat?" Right? I mean, how how do you win on that? I mean, I'm thankful that she doesn't ever ask me that question because you know there, there's just even when the answer is no, and of course it's no, there, there's all these things that 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 are surrounded by it, right? But but there are. Times though, when, when truthful speaking, even though it hurts, gives life. Those times when somebody comes to you and says, Hey, how did you like my song that I sang? 99 out of 100 people will say, It was awesome. The true friend will tell you, You know, you, you had so much passion, it was great. But but there were some pitch issues. I can help you work on that. Now listen, all of y'all were like, no. But let me tell you, we got a bunch of bad singers in this world because nobody will tell them that they can't sing. Amen. What was that? Yes. Simon Cow. Listen, nobody likes Simon Cow, but he's the only real judge. Why? Why? He says, maybe you should think of another profession. Everybody in the crowd knows they can't sing, but nobody wants to hurt their feelings. Nobody will tell them the truth. And so the person goes, I'm amazing. Then they get on TV and they make a fool out of themselves because nobody loved them enough to say, you can't sing. Play the drums. (laughs) Because that's what happens when you can't sing. You play drums. You can sing or you can play drums, less you're what, the, the, the Pearl Jam guy, right? Is that, is that, I mean, everybody else? I mean, Donnie, am I right? If you, if you play drums, you can't sing, right? <laughs> Folks, here's the deal. We don't want to tell the truth. Now, I'm not suggesting that you tell harsh truth in a harsh way, but you are far more loving to people when you speak truth with kindness than you are when you just... Lie to them. And again, so, so Tara's my uh, hygienist, right? If I go, I'm just going to make this up on the fly because it just fits. If I go and I'm like, hey, Tara, how am I doing? I'm brushing my teeth. Oh, you're doing great. And she's like, dang, I need a chisel for this stuff. <laughs> she's trying not to hurt my feelings, but she's not helping me. You, you want to know why we don't tell the truth? Because we don't know who we are. Not telling the truth is more about our insecurities than it is about their person, the, the other person. We're not secure in ourselves. We want to be liked, and we, we want people to appreciate us. And so we, we tell kind of truth, or what people want to hear. But I can tell you this. You become a person who tells the truth with kindness. People will start coming to you because they know you will tell them the truth. Amen? Be a truth teller. And be yourself. Alright, so, come on. Disney Plus just, just, just came out and y'all didn't even catch that one. Alright, here's the last one and we're done, okay? Oh my goodness, I'm way over time. Clarifying word. Proverbs 27 verse 5 and 6 Um, Proverbs 27 verse 5 and 6 says Better is open rebuke than hidden love Wounds from a friend can be trusted Even an enemy multiplies kisses Or but an enemy multiplies kisses That's speaking to telling the truth But it's also speaking to words of clarity One of the things that I like to give to people The best I can are words that help clarify their life. Seriously, in 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 every relationship that I have, at least as many as I can, I try to speak words that help people clarify their lives. Not like I'm some guru or anything, but if I can say something to help somebody have clarity in who they are and how they're supposed to live, then I've actually loved them to the best possible way that I can. I suggest that you can give clarity to people's lives by telling the truth, by giving uh, living words, by, encouraging, by, uh, by giving encouraging words, and also by giving gentle words. So I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning, okay? The words you give are a reflection of what's going on in your heart. If your words are not predominantly kind, you have a heart issue. If your words are predominantly kind, then you are being led by the Spirit. And that's a good thing. But what kind of words you have will be determined by what's in your heart. And what's in your heart will be determined by what you feed the most. Leave on this thought, okay? You cannot hang around a negative person and not become negative. You need to cut that person out of your life. Amen. I want, you to, I want you to look at your relationships. If you have a strong have a close relationship with a negative person. Now if it's your spouse, you got problems. I'm just saying you you have issues that you I mean it's deep, it's not it's not that easy. But I'm saying if you if you have a best friend who is negative and gossipy you can keep them as a best friend but they're not doing you any favors. You're becoming more like them than you may have even realize. I had a friend about 20 years ago that I woke up one day and I realized, "Hey, you know what? This dude is mean to his wife. He's constantly nagging about about stupid stuff and he's constantly putting other people down." I'm becoming like my friend. I ended it. It's done. And you know what? It wasn't but a couple of weeks that I was back to my normal self. You can't... Every single morning, I come over here. Every single Sunday morning, I come in here to get breakfast. And when I leave, I smell my shirt. And I smell like biscuits and sausage. I'm not complaining. If you're going to smell like something, that's good. That's good. You can't work at Chick Fil A and not smell like chicken grease. No, it's not debatable, kid. I smell you when you come home. I know. <laughs> Every time I hug you, oh yeah, you've been working. You've been working. <laughs> I love to. Uh, let's let's hug a little longer. That's that Jesus chicken right there. Oh yeah, you just thought I loved you. No, I like smelling the chicken in your hair. That's what I really like. So. I'm joking. Oh, those were life-giving words to my daughter. There you go. See? Practice what I preach. Bad relation... Uh, you, got, you got to cut them out, guys. Because you are feeding negativity in your life. More than that, even maybe, you got to stop listening to all that crap that you're listening to. I said it that way because that's what it is. Amen? Y'all with me? If you listen to talk radio, I'm telling you, you are poisoning your soul. I listen to talk radio every now and then, but I have to turn it off after just a little bit because there's so much anger, there's so much truth that's distorted, there's so much one-sided perspective. It's like, look, I can't do that. You are messing with my heart. Amen? And there's nobody out there righteous in this. If they're, if they're, I say nobody, maybe you found one, but I hadn't found them yet. You got to watch that. Because it will poison your soul. How do you feed your soul? It's right here. Father in heaven, I know that there's a lot said today. Lord, there's a lot of Bible verses and there's a lot of a lot of things for us to think about. But my prayer in this moment is that you would give us that one thing today that we need to pay attention to and work on. Lord, I do truly pray that my, my words today are life-giving words. I pray today that for the one in here who, who feels so convicted, maybe it's over gossip or slander or maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Lord, I pray that that conviction would turn into repentance, which would turn into rejoicing. Father, my desire today is that we all recognize the extreme power of that little part of our body, the tongue. And I pray that you would start using us to give life to people. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to offer life to you. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says it's by grace that you are saved through faith, not of works. There's nothing you can do to earn God's favor or His love. There's nothing you can do to to make Him closer to you. The truth is of sin we are as separated from God as we could ever be and the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him he would have eternal life so forgiveness is not about doing something forgiveness is about yielding to Jesus Christ so I want to invite you to do that today if you've never placed your faith in Christ right now is the time for you to do that In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. I want to invite you to come and say to me, Jeff, I want to give my life to Christ. You can do that right where you are, all by yourself, between you and God as well. I just invite you to make that decision today. Will you stand with me? Let's sing together.